Welcome to Bell Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Hello and welcome to Film Interrupted. This is the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can review movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes can be spooky to oddly informative to downright stupid. I am your host, Phil Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. Guys, I I have a a topic here. I think it's going to be a good time. I do. I think it's a pretty interesting topic. It's going to be a little bit about the paranormal. Uh, We're going to discuss a machine that was, I think it was in the, I'm forgetting now, 70s. Possibly early 80s. We'll find out here tonight on this very show uh, the details that I'm forgetting. It is a machine, a paranormal machine called the Spira Com. Okay, you may have heard about you heard about this, right? About this? Um, you may have heard about it, but I would probably guess that you haven't. Okay, so this one kind of uh, just disappeared into the void of uh, history. Really, it didn't get much fanfare, and we'll discuss all about it, um, the people behind it, the machine itself, and try to separate fact from fiction. So that will be fun. Before we do get into it, I would like to first tell you a little bit about a podcast that I discovered recently that I'm really enjoying. It's a podcast called No Thought Required, right? It's a good name. It has our good friend, former guest of this show, Paulie V., is one of the hosts, and it's a really fantastic, very well-produced show. They've got tons of drops and hilarious bits, and it's it's really good. I really enjoy it. So it's Paulie V on there with the co-hosts Rev and Greg, and uh, it's one of my go-tos now for sure, Uh, so I just want to give them a plug and definitely recommend if you are looking for a new podcast or possibly you're bored with yours, check out No Thought Required. So again, the topic, though, here today on Phil Interrupted is the Spira Com, or should I say the, the Spira Con. So let's get into it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the Spira Com, okay? There are two main players in this story. There is George Meeks, and there is William O'Neill. I'm mostly going to refer to him as Bill during this, Bill O'Neill. Uh, I just think that's seems to be how he's most often referred to when you read websites and things like that. So we'll go with Bill O'Neill. We're not, we don't need to get all formal here on Phil Interrupted today. It's not like the show's called Philip Interrupted. <laughs> Philip Interrupted. <laughs> so the Spearcom device, it's sort of the brainchild of George Meek. This was a businessman. Uh, he had got a lot of money from different patents with air conditioning systems and like parts and repairs and stuff like that in the 1940s and 1960s. So we're going back here a little bit in, in history here. And this guy, Meek, he had been, he retired and he was really fascinated with the paranormal because apparently he was in some sort of a seance and he like, he claimed that there was, this is kind of hard to believe, I guess, but who knows. 
who knows if seances are real either. That's a whole nother topic. But he alleged that a spirit uh, spoke to him or the people that were there with him and gave him the idea for a machine that would allow for a two-way communication between the living and a spirit or entity on sort of like another dimension, right? Like another realm connected to to ours, right? The living. So George Meek really got into this and he started investigating and trying to figure out money to create this machine that he was somehow told uh, that would work. So in 1970, he began working uh, on a small laboratory outside of Philadelphia. So it's not too far from me. I'm in New Jersey, yeah, if you didn't know that. Uh, so he's working in Philadelphia, and he's working on a prototype device, and they originally called it the Mark One. I have no idea why. Oh, hi, Mark. Mark One. Uh, and this would allow for two-way communication with a spirit, as I said before. Now, the device was made up. This is a little weird, right? The device was made up of a high-frequency RF generator. This also had a foot-long antenna, a demodulator, a pre-amplifier, microphones, and a tape recorder. Good old classic cassette, right? Now, it is alleged that the spirit can speak through this bizarre device. I think it uses 13 tones. I guess there's different octaves that your voice could go to. And uh, a medium claimed that the spirit of Dr. William Francis Gray Swan is the ghost who allegedly gave instructions on how to build and modify this device to George Meeks. Now, this person is real, apparently. This person died in 1962. So you kind of have to ask yourself right off the bat, is this somebody that possibly George Meeks could have met or read about because he was alive during the same time he was? Or did he really hear a ghost tell him, uh, ideas on how to make this machine. So after several attempts, the device kept failing, right? Wouldn't work. What a surprise. It's not going to record any spirit voices. So his team and him moved on to the next version. It include uh, different upgrades to the equipment, you know, things like that. I don't know if there was getting better technology. Who knows, right? So that's what they're doing. However, all the new enhancements continued to have uh, no no audio recordings of entities, nothing. So we're still striking out here, strike two. By 1975, George Meek had become acquainted with Bill O'Neill. He was an electronics engineer and a self-professed medium. This is, in fact, where things do start to get interesting, right, now that they've met. O'Neill claimed that he had established a two-way communication with many spirit persons, okay? One of them was named Dr. Nick. And we'll talk a little bit about this Dr. Nick and some of the other characters that we're going to uh, get familiar with here. But I do want to first play the press conference of George Meeks. So after he got a bunch of these recordings, which we're going to get into, there's a lot of different recordings. I want to play some of them. Some of them I want to just sort of read the... Uh, the you know, the transcribed script for you because the voices that you hear are, are pretty difficult to understand. And I think if I just played the audio, you'd be like, I don't know what the heck is being said here. So I will read some of it. Uh, just it's a lot easier that way. But 
you know, you will hear how, how it sounds. It's pretty nuts. But again, I want to play this press conference here so you get a little bit idea from the man himself, Mr. George Meeks. And this was his big press conference, right? Like he's ready to tell the world this amazing discovery that he is able to talk to ghosts, basically. And uh, the reporters, <laughs> I've listened to the whole thing. It's long. I'm not going to play the whole clip. It's like 40 minutes or an hour or something like that. And at the end, the reporters are like, what? Like they can't even sort of wrap their heads around uh, what he's talking about. But all right, that's enough said. Let's play a little bit of the press conference of George Meeks basically uh, telling the world of this massive, massive breakthrough. It is my pleasure to present to you George Meek. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for coming out. We have chosen Easter week to make this announcement for reasons that will shortly become apparent. For many Christians, our findings may be one of the most significant uh, items of news in 2,000 years. The findings I am announcing today are truly fantastic and far out. But I can assure you that they are pure science, not science fiction. After 10 years of research in this particular field, Meta Science Foundation is pleased to report two historic accomplishments. For the first time, we have electronic proof that the mind, memory banks, and personality survive death of the physical body. Our proof consists of many hours of conversations with some among the so-called dead. Second, an elementary, and I stress the word elementary, an elementary start has been made toward the perfection of a communication system that should someday permit those living on earth to talk with persons very much alive on higher levels of consciousness. The system will use electromagnetic and etheric energies, and it should carry telephone-like conversations. Better back that shit up, George. Someday provide video transmissions. We call our equipment Spiricom, short for Spirit Communication. It is fully described with photographs and wiring diagrams in the uh, technical manual, which is in your press kit. To achieve the results reported today, we combined electronic technology with certain unusual psychic, or as we prefer to call them, etheric energies such as those used by our research associate, William O'Neill, who is sitting here on my left. At the present time, uh, Bill is the only member of our team who possesses such energies to the required degree to get the quality of conversation that you will be hearing this morning. These people, reporters are coughing. One of the excerpts from our conversation... Shuffling chairs around. ...with the so-called dead which is on the uh, cassette, uh, which was in your uh, press kit. It's an hour and a half recording of the uh, history and development. Isn't it a little suspicious that only a medium could talk to the ghosts? If your device works, 
shouldn't, in theory, in anybody our, be able to talk to him? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, researcher. George. Continue, continue. Our researcher, uh, Bill, is talking to Dr. George Jeffries Mueller, an American physicist, physicist who died of a heart attack in 1967. But in 1980 and 81, Dr. Mueller worked with us from his present realm to help us develop the equipment. So they're showing a picture of Dr. Mueller. They actually have a picture of him. He's a real person that they're claiming to have talked to in the afterlife. Very loud and to you objectionable background sound. At this early stage of our work, that sound caused by a necessary mixture of 13 audio frequencies was unavoidable. Prior to this excerpt, uh, Dr. Mueller and Bill have been discussing their joint video research, which we hope will someday accompany audio communication. In this excerpt, Dr. Mueller is giving specific technical instructions to William. As I said, you will hear a very loud and objectionable background sound, which at this early stage is necessary. At, at this, these recordings involve 13 special audio frequencies. Uh, and prior to this excerpt, they had been discussing their video research. Uh, and in this excerpt, Dr. Mueller is giving specific technical instructions to William. All right. Just a minute, Doctor. Yes, I know you're here, but I've got to... I'm going to cut down the volume of these other frequencies. Very well, I want to cut them down to a level that won't... he's saying Bear with me. I just want you to hear a little bit more of this. So that's the ghost. That's Muller. And that's Bill O'Neill.
hope you noticed so they cut back to uh, meet. specific Dr. Mueller was in pinpointing the problem regarding the experimental video device uh, which he and William were working on. He said near the third transistor, third transistor in the preamp unit, there is an impedance mismatch which can be corrected by using a 150-ohm half-watt resistor with a .0047 ceramic microfarad capacitor. What better proof could there be that Dr. Mueller's mind, memory banks, personality are still alive and functioning in a useful and dramatic way? Is this really two-way voice communication with a scientist who had his funeral? Almost 15 years ago, preposterous, you will say. Well, now you can sense my disbelief, uh, which I experienced almost 60 years ago, when with a piece of Galena crystal and a small wire called a cat's whisker, I could just barely detect in my earphones the call letters of one of the first radio stations in this country. Now, I want to share with you another taped voice, some two minutes of a much longer all right, conversation. All right, all right, all right, Meek, calm down. So you've got a, a good idea of what George Meek is like. He's this old fella, and apparently he dumped, like, a lot of money into this project because after that seance, you know, he kind of went, got to figure this out. This is my, his, his life mission, right? You know, I could see that. I could, I could see how someone could get on like a total kick, right? Like you just, you're like, I have to figure this out. This is my life's passion. This is what I'm going to be known for. You know, when I'm long gone, I'm going to be the one that figures this out and we're going to be able to talk to ghosts and, you know, I'll be most famous person next to Jesus. I don't know, next to someone really famous. And don't send me hate mail, please. Bill O'Neill stated that he made contact in September 17th, 1977. It was the first time that he spoke with Dr. Nick, who in that recording that you heard, that was Dr. Mueller. And we'll get to him because he talks a lot to Dr. Mueller. That's like the main dude that he talks to. But he first talked to this Dr. Nick. And that, you know, obviously George Meek was, mine was blown. He couldn't believe it. So they started working on another version of that machine. It was the Mark whatever. And now this is, they're on the Mark III. Moving on to just keep going. Due to the poor quality, though, of O'Neill's equipment, the recording of the ghostly conversation was extremely poor, with only about 25% being uh, intelligible. Over the next several years, George Meek invested approximately half a million dollars into the project, upgrading O'Neill's equipment and providing financial compensation to O'Neill for continued work. Once again, the spirit was credited with suggesting various upgrades and modifications that could allegedly improve the communication equipment, like the actual machine itself. However, the spirit of Dr. Nick had apparently refused to continue. Perhaps he was, uh, you know, too busy doing what else is happening, um with whatever else is going on in the afterlife. I don't, I don't know. But he decided to peace out, and they started speaking to another doctor. This is Dr. George Jeffries Muller. This is the one that you heard earlier in that recording. And as I said, this is the bulk, bulk of it is with this guy. So Dr. Muller, he is indeed a real person. This is for sure. I don't, can't remember if Dr. Nick um, can be verified. I think he can. 
I kind of forget my details in that one. But this guy definitely can. He died on May 31st, 1970. I'm sorry, 1967. And he had actually like published a small book about electronics. I think he might have been a professor. I forget now from Wisconsin, something like that. There's so many details in this case. So I, you know, I apologize if I don't have all my facts 100% in front of me here. But I believe it was Wisconsin if I had to take a stab at it. And so, obviously, he's a doctor, he's a well-educated man, he's a smart man, uh, knows about electronics, things like that. So he's in the afterlife, I guess he wasn't done with his research or something, trying to talk to the living, and he's given suggestions. He somehow starts talking to good old Bill O'Neill. Muller ended up suggesting, if you use these 13 tones generated by, generated by radio equipment, if you mix them together in a certain process... Uh, you'll be able to broadcast over a speaker. This process would allow a spirit to produce a voice that could be broadcast over a second speaker. So I guess they somehow were splitting up the channels. I don't really understand exactly how that works. However, so with this new version, the Mark IV, the Spirit Calm, O'Neill was having regular conversations with the ghost of Dr. Muller. And Muller would sort of like come and go like uh from what i understand they have uh i forget how many hours this is i keep forgetting everything it's over like 20 something hours of recordings of him talking to dr muller sometimes muller would disappear for a week you know, a few weeks a day sometimes he'd talk a lot i'm not exactly sure what would be the disconnect uh, maybe this is obviously a very hard thing to do to have this two-way um communication so i guess you could see you know just doesn't always work out. Maybe who knows, you know, if this is real, the conditions aren't always perfect for this two-way communication of the two different, you know, dimensions, realms. Sometimes it just doesn't add up. I don't know what the specific uh, conditions and needs are for it to work, but uh, he, he wasn't always around uh, to have conversations with Bill O'Neill. Now, there are videos of Bill O'Neill speaking on the Spiricom on YouTube and some other various websites that uh, that have posted the actual clips. And they look really old. Said they're from like early 80s. And uh, they're, they're pretty low quality. They're obviously on VHS. And it looks like this guy's just like in some like back little, like in his garage or something, his home laboratory, that apparently somehow cost half a million dollars. And he's trying to speak to these ghosts. I think it's really interesting that George Meek continued to like pay him. So like, I don't even know if this guy had a job or anything like this was, this was his job was to try to talk to these spirits and George Meek like paid him a salary, which we'll get to later is potentially could be a bit suspicious. All right. So we can play some more clips. I have a website here that has shorter clips than the one we heard at the press conference. They're shorter when I, I'm not sure if some of these repeat, but I can actually tell you some of the things they say before we actually listen to them. So let me pull up the website here and we will, I will read you some of it. So then when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, okay. Now I kind of understand what is being said there. All right. So I'm going to play you a clip of this and I'm going to actually 
read a little bit here. We'll skip over that one where he talks about the preamps. So this is Dr. Mueller speaking. He says, William, I think that's much better. Right there, William. Now, William, do you understand? William. Bill O'Neill replies with, yes, sir, I understand, doctor. Very well. I will have you count from one to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One moment, William. Okay. Very well, then. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. So he sings Mary Little Lamb. This is the ghost, Dr. Muller. And he says, play that back for him. Bill's like, yes, sir. The doctor again says, play that back for me. Bill O'Neill says, all right, doctor, I'm sorry. I was lighting a cigarette. And Dr. Miller says, oh, those cigarettes again. Um, it's, I love the deep intellectual conversations that Bill has with this guy. If you read through all these scripts, Bill is always fucking around. Like, he hardly ever asks, like, the hard questions. Like, what did it feel like to die? Where are you? Like, can you see me? Um... What does it feel like to be dead? Uh, does it feel the same? Do you have all your memories? Like he fails, I feel like, to ask a lot of these serious questions. He talks about cigarettes. And at one point, he talked like freaking having a conversation about carrots. And we'll get to that one. But let me play that clip now. So um, the sort of weird voice might make a little more sense to you. Again, they're talking about Mary and a little lamb. And I guess they're doing tests, right, to try and find the right frequency. <laughs> Yes, sir, I understood, Doctor. I love how the ghost is fed up with his smoking habits. Ugh, those cigarettes again. You son of a bitch. All right, so this next clip, Bill O'Neill says, what's that again? And the doctor says, the television set with the metal screen, I didn't put that in the magnetic magnet input from the signal generator in conjunction with the input from the camera to the television system. You understand, William? Bill says, yeah, I, th- I think that's it. The doctor says, oh, by the way, William, did you get that multifaceted crystal? What is he talking about? Bill said, no, I didn't, doctor. I have a five-faceted crystal from Edmonds. And he goes, Edmonds, Edmonds, who is Edmonds? Edmonds is a company, Edmonds Scientific. Oh, I understand. What were the results? Uh, And then Bill says, well, I inserted into the lens of the camera, but all I got was a lot of crazy colors of light. I didn't get any imagery. And then Dr. Miller goes on, or Dr. Muller goes on this spiel uh, about how it should have worked. And then he starts talking about another person, Nathaniel. He said Nathaniel's spoken to um, Bill O'Neill. So it's like, and now all of a sudden he's like introducing like a buddy ghost or something. But Bill's like, I don't, I haven't spoken to a Nathaniel. So maybe there's a little miscommunication going on here between the spirit worlds, right? You're getting confused. No, you've met him. No, I have not. It's those damn cigarettes again. 
Alright, so let's play this clip and... Doing. I need to talk to you. Yeah, is that right? You gotta talk to me? Alright, that's fine. Smash, you can come in. You haven't been on the show in a long time, really. Actually, Bill, you've been pretty good. I have been good. Alright, let's not get carried away. No, you've been alright. So, I'm trying to do a podcast here. If you want to be on the show, I need you to chill out. And would you turn off that music? I don't know why you always have to, every time you come into a room, you have to play that music. It's getting really old. It's really old. My theme music. I, I know it is. Trust me. I know. I don't think the people want to hear this. So turn that off. We're going to talk more about the Spiritcom. Um, have you heard about the Spiritcom, Smash? Negative. All right, well, it's this machine from like the 70s, 80s, where this guy could do a two-way communication. And it sounds really weird with all these different frequencies. It's hard to understand. I was playing clips of it. I was reading the scripts, and I was playing the actual audio of it so that you out there could be the judge of it. And I guess, Smash, if you want to see if you can figure it out as well. So I'm going to continue to play this. Sorry, please don't interrupt like a lot. But, Phil, I promise I won't. Interrupt. What's that again? Oh my. He sounds like a robot. Yes. Yes, he does. I should know. <laughs> yeah, you should. He does sound like a robot. Thank you, Smash. My pleasure. Just listen to this hack. <laughs> you think he's a hack? Affirmative. He's a fake. A fraud. A nobody. Oh, Really? You really think this guy's full of it, huh? I know a robot voice when I hear one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, this is so hard to understand. This is a bunch of people. I don't know. You might be onto something, man. You might be onto something. Still going. Call knowing anybody by the name of Nathaniel. So again, these conversations they go on for a while. Smash these guys. There's like 20 hours plus of these uh, behemoths talking and going back and forth. And Smash, you seem to think that this is some sort of like they're like a, that robot. It does sound a lot like a robot. I agree with you. You think that this is 
like you think is fake or or is that a real robot that is not a real robot he is full of it huh okay i guess you know i don't think you know much about anything but all things considered i could see how you would probably know the most about robot type voices and the mechanics of it so i guess i'll i'll agree with you um that you might be onto something, Smash. I do find one thing very interesting about all these recordings uh, with Bill O'Neill. And I don't know if you've picked up on it here because it is hard to understand what is being said. He is... They... How do I explain this? The entity voices are very much speaking in a very predictable pattern. They constantly say very well then. All the time, if you read the scripts. Very well then, William is what they sound like, right? And I feel in even the different people, like Dr. Nick says it, and there's three people that I believe over the course of these recordings that Bill O'Neill talked to. Obviously, I said Dr. Mueller being the most, but all of them say things very similar. They all say either Bill or they say William constantly. They are constantly saying his name, like all the time. And they're saying very well then. So they have patterns of speech that I think become predictable and I think they it tends to lead towards it being fake right you would think Bill O'Neill if he is talking to himself he has a way of talking we all do we have words we pronunciate uh, words that we use all the time in specific ways and you sort of learn someone's speech patterns I think this very well then and constantly using his own name like William or Bill it's kind of a telltale sign of somebody almost like trying too hard to make it sound uh, believable. Affirmative, Phil. That's exactly correct. Yeah, right? Like, I think that is something that you definitely pick up on when you read all these transcripts. Now, I'm also going to let another little cat out of the bag here, which I think could potentially be be what the actual device is that Bill is using. So in these VHS videos, the recordings, you don't really see Bill facing the camera. He's always facing. Oh my God. I know. I'm sorry. Shouldn't burp on the show. Bill. Uh, Bill is always facing away from the camera. You can't see him. And this is whether he's talking or the ghost is talking you never actually see his face. I find that very suspicious, right? Like very, very, very suspicious. And I feel like the voice, its it sounds kind of fakish. And I think he's using an electrolarynx, which is uh, the little device that people use um, when their throat is like messed up. I'm totally forgetting what it's called. They got tracheotomy or whatever it's called. And they need to use that little device to help them talk, right? It can pick up on the, the, I guess, the tones of your throat or whatever it is, like the different frequencies, for lack of a better word. It's kind of like a didgeridoo. And I feel like that's what the voice sounds like. And if he's using one of those, is that explain why he won't look at the camera while he's talking? 
right? Is if he was talking, you figure at some point, Dr. Mueller says something crazy, he would turn around, look at the camera, and like sort of laugh, like, holy shit, I'm talking to a ghost about cigarettes or whatever it is, and me and this ghost are having a conversation, and he would acknowledge it, like he could turn around, like put his hands on his head, or like, you know, like, can you believe this kind of thing with his hands, like hand motions, nothing, doesn't do any of those, he's always hunched over, he's really into those frequencies, messing with knobs, I find that highly suspicious. Smash, do you have somewhere else you could go, please? Why? What am I doing? I just... It's hard for me to talk with you sitting there looking like an idiot. But, Phil... No, I think you're distracting... You're distracting me. I'm having a very hard time doing the show with you. Very hard time. Quit being a baby. You serious? You serious? You want to go right now? You want to go? Calm down. Fine. I'm going to do some laundry. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's what I thought. I just know Sorry, I'm getting out this O'Neill guy is full of egg. That is my prediction. He is full of egg. Am I crazy here? You just said that. Okay, I will go now. Make the laundry extra soft. But I still think this is zombie. Okay, shut the door on your way out. Sorry, it's just you guys, it's he wasn't really being all that bad, but just looking across his boxy ass face is blinking. It just, I can't. It's really distracting. Um, it's, so he's he's gone. Thank God. And we'll move on. I'll play this next clip. The next clip is about the carrots, the uh, the carrot clip that I promised. Let me read a little bit to you uh, of what Dr. Mueller and Bill O'Neill are saying so that you understand. Actually, you know what? Who cares about the beginning? Uh, actually, it was almost like they get into like a little bit of a fight here. So Bill says, uh, you said to hurry back. I did that, and it's been exactly one week ago. Dr. Mueller says, ho, ho. And Bill fucking pissed at this ghost not that pissed but he goes yes ho ho yourself and he talks about the weather again they talk about really important stuff here talks about the weather and about how he's going to put a garden in and dr muller gets fucking pumped he's like oh wonderful he goes send me a couple of carrots bill's like what's that he goes a couple of carrots oh carrots yes william and a nice head of lettuce a nice head of lettuce. I'm not going to plant acres, doctor. What's that? I think you were talking at the same time I was. Well, perhaps I said a if somebody had a cabbage, I like fried cabbage, blah, blah. So they're, they're just talking about carrots and sauerkraut. It's so weird. Sauerkraut. Um, here's another interesting thing just to note. It almost sounds, they rarely talk over each other. Yes, they talk close to each other, but they pretty much don't interrupt each other. And I find that also kind of suspicious, which means that he might be using a little device to speak into. And he's switching back and forth between, you know, his regular voice and him attempting to sound like this other person. You listen and you be the judge, right? Because I think Bill knows he has to make it as good as he can if it is indeed a fake. But that's pretty hard to to do, the two voices at the same time. Um, nowadays, with the special you know, recordings you can do and multi-layering, it's easy, but they're just recording this on like a super basic like cassette and VHS. It's 
simple stuff. So let's play that last clip where they're talking about carrots and stupid shit. Yeah, I just uh, turned on the tape recorder, Doctor. Very well, William. You said to hurry back, and I did. That has been exactly one week ago. Yeah, ho, 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 yourself. He's talking shit to a ghost. But uh, cold weather has left us temporarily anyway. It's uh, raining, and it's nice and warm. Of course, uh, you never know what to expect. Gonna plant acres, doctor. What's that? I think you were talking at the same time I was. Perhaps I said, probably have some cabbage on my fried cabbage or I love fried cabbage. Fried cabbage. Well, I like sauerkraut. No point. I know what sauerkraut will do. Yes, I do. You know, doctor. I never thought I'd see the day when I could, <laughs> oh boy, talk to someone like you in the way we're doing. And uh, let's say 10 years ago, someone told me this was possible. I would recommend that they be sent to the funny farm. Well, perhaps you're right. Hmm. Did you hear that at the end? He said, if I... Uh... <clears throat> If 10 years ago someone said I would talk to you like in this way, I would say that they should be sent to the funny farm. And Dr. Muller responds with, well, perhaps you're right. You fucking idiot. He says, he didn't say that part. I don't know. I find that conversation bizarre. Like, finally, he's kind of like, yeah, this is insane that I'm talking to somebody like this. You think he would have done that a long time ago. And I've looked through the scripts. There's really not much of him acting like that, which, again, I know I said earlier in the show, I find very suspicious, just very, very suspicious. I'm not saying there's a right thing to say if you were in a communication with a dead person, but you got to figure some of those major questions would come up. Like, are you in heaven? Are you in hell? Is it real? You know, like, like the real questions that we need to know. No, nope, he doesn't. Scrap that. Don't ask those questions. We don't want to know that. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to plant a garden this year. That's important stuff to talk to the people in the afterlife. Here's another thing that, uh, I don't know, maybe this is the nail in the coffin. You know, maybe you go, all right, now this story is a bunch of baloney, right? It was found that uh, Bill O'Neill was a ventriloquist, an, an amateur ventriloquist. He was not a professional but there's a picture of him I found online doing my research. And he's holding up a little little doll, little dummy. He's it's a ventriloquist. I mean, my head blew up. That kind of explains to me why he was so good at going back and forth in these quick conversations. He's done it before. But no, he's a special medium. I know, I think you might see where I'm going with this, right? Spiracom or Spiracon. I think this might be a con. I think this might be a bunch of bullshit. 
ventriloquist says he's a medium. He's the only one who can use this machine. And I will tell you another secret here. After Bill loses communication with Dr. Mueller, I think he briefly talks to someone else. I forget who it is. Very brief. He loses all communication. Dr. Mueller says, I'm not going to be here forever. You know, I have to go soon. Gone, right? Done. I find it very suspicious um, that he's the only one that can use this device. Again, like I said, you know, if this device truly works, really anybody should be able to jump on there and be able to communicate. But no, because he's these special powers, you know, special feelings and emotions. He's a medium. He's able to communicate. I don't know. That seems to be a load of baloney to me. Another interesting thing I feel that happened was he lost all communication with these spirits when he found out that his boss and his friend, George Meek, was going to go live with a press conference. So Meek had been putting together this pamphlet, this official handout to give to reporters. He was setting up the conference, setting up all the information. It took him months and months to get this all organized, right? And during that time, I lost communication. He said he had to go. He's not going to talk to me anymore. And Meek had also been reaching out to different researchers and reporters and things like that again. And they wanted to come and they wanted to actually do, you know, journalistic reports about O'Neill using this device. They wanted to see it in person. Suspicious. He's always alone when it happens, right? So once he starts getting wind that these people might come, Dr. Mueller checked out, peaced out. He's gone. I find that highly suspicious. I think he didn't want to lose his gravy train that Meeks was paying him to uh, speak with these spirits. And I think he started to see that the game might be up, that people are going to catch on to him and see that he's like a, he's a fraud. He's a con artist. And he wanted to put a stop to that. So I lost all communication. It won't work anymore. I've also read various reports online that Bill O'Neill was a schizophrenic. Now, I don't, I haven't been able to verify if that is completely true or if that was um, something I found on the internet that was just kind of like false information. Fake news. It was fake news. No, I don't know what it was, but it was on a website I saw and I felt that I should at least address it. If he did have some level of schizophrenia, maybe he really believed he was talking to somebody, right? I think that's something you should at least consider. You know, I tend to things like that. I kind of disregard them, generally speaking. But I guess it is a theory that we do have to consider. There's a lot of different theories. Um, and I think that is one I, I guess you put in your back pocket. Is it really realistic? Uh, I don't know. But ventriloquist stops when he starts coming under pressure from the serious uh, authorities who could verify his claims. Suddenly he can't talk to him anymore. There is one clip that I do want to play for you, and this is the one and only clip where Bill O'Neill is facing the camera. Like I said, he's always has his back to the camera during these live recordings. This one, he's actually looking at the camera, and Dr. Mueller is yelling all kinds of stuff at him. And it's kind of great in the clip, too, because you can see that Bill O'Neill is actually like, again, he's annoyed. He's annoyed <laughs> that this spirit is talking to him and interrupting him. Because I think in the recording, what was happening is Bill O'Neill was trying to talk to George Meek in the actual recording, like tell him, I don't know, something that was going on with the equipment or whatever it might be. And then Dr. Muller in the background on the machine interrupts him. 
and he's like, oh, hell, like, you know, he's all annoyed. I, I love the fact this guy is the cojones to get annoyed that a spirit is talking to him. That's one of my favorite parts of this whole story. So I'll play that clip for you. Some people say that it is faked. And the reason they say it's faked is you can hear like a really quick, um, almost like a, for lack of a better word, like a dub sound. So back in the day when you recorded a cassette and you recorded your own voice over it, so you'd hit the little like play and record button, you know, at the same time. Those of you that are old enough to remember that. You'd hit that at the same time. And then you say whatever you need to say, and you hit stop. The actual cassette player needs to have time to start rotating those little wheel-type things that are in the inside of a cassette. It's not instant. It's not like digital stuff where it's like you hit record right away. It's not like that. It's a manual. It's a mechanic device that has to fire up. And cassettes sometimes didn't always start up really fast, right? There's a slight hesitation between the times or people say, the times when Mueller is talking to him when he's facing the camera in this one and only shot of of him talking to him like that. Some people say that he had pre-recorded this and is playing it back to obviously try to prove his point that, oh, you know, it does happen. I'm not always having to face, you know, the other side of the room. So you take a listen to it and you be the judge, okay? Did you hear the pause? So I'm stopping that. So it's Bill O'Neill basically reporting back to George about, you know, some of his findings or whatever. And you hear that voice come on. I, I, you got to look this up. You really do. <coughs> Bill looks so annoyed. He's got his hand over his forehead. He's like, oh, my God, Mueller, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to talk to my boss, which is just classic, classic stuff. And you definitely hear that that brief pause right between the is that the stopping of the recording and then whatever was recorded underneath of it, you know, continuing on the droning sound. It is a crazy, crazy droning sound. Uh, that voice for sure. The 13 frequencies is droning. It's, it's annoying. Frankly, it's kind of an annoying sound. And I listened to a lot of it for this recording for this podcast, a lot, a lot of annoying, probably fake hoax, um, droning recordings for this podcast. I actually read a 32 page report from George Meek and it goes into really in-depth detail about the different conversations between Bill O'Neill and the few people that he spoke to. One of them was really old and I'm trying to find that right now. I'm scanning through this document, but you could tell George, I wonder what George Meek really thought. I mean, if he spent that much money and he had the press conference, you got to figure he really is buying into this, right? Like he's, did he just want to believe, you know, like maybe he knew it was possibly fake and he was being scammed. 
I think it had to have entered his brain, but maybe he just invested so much into this that he's like, you know what? I'm going for broke, right? Like, I'm going to just believe this because I want to so badly. Maybe he was just blinded by naivety. Is that a word? Did I make up a word? But I think you know what I'm trying to say. Just so badly wanted something that he was willing to just believe something that was, for all intents and purposes, probably fake. Oh, so okay, so I did find it here. They do talk to another person named Fred. And they don't talk to him for very long, very short conversations with this guy. Not not long at all. And what he said, his name is Fred Ing- Ingerstrom. Ingerstrom, I believe. And this fellow said that he lived in a rural area of Virginia and died in 1830. What? These other guys were from the 60s. The other two of them were from the 60s. And they knew about some technology, right? This guy's from 1830. And they checked the scanty, I love that word, the scanty birth records in that time and place, and they could not confirm the existence of this Fred. So I guess you could take that for what you will. They did throw in another person there. Oh, man, I got the burps really bad. I'm sorry about that. Here's another interesting factor I just saw reading through some of my notes. Bill O'Neill... was most likely in very serious financial trouble, which again is a great reason for somebody to pull a con like this to to receive funding, you know, so that he could live. It's said that his house had caught fire in nineteen seventy nine. So this is after I guess the con had started. And it was pretty much like a burnout shell, which is kind of ridiculous that he would still stay in that. And George Meek was providing all this financial compensation for him. So you would think that O'Neill, being down on his luck, is going to have to produce positive results, right? Because he needs that money to keep flowing in. And he's going he's gonna to cheat. He's going to cheat to continue getting the, the gravy train, the money, the gravy train. Who says that these days? I don't know. I keep, I keep saying it. Another interesting note. Bill O'Neill died in 1992, and they were looking through all of his stuff, and guess what they found? A lot of people believe that this is the smoking gun, that this whole story was fake. They found an electrolarynx device, (gasps) the nail in the coffin for the Spiracom, people say. They found it, and they think this is the little device. That he used to make the William, William, very well then. I say that over and over. I'm very repetitive. That's That probably explains it, right? Like, why would you have one of those? I don't have one. Do you? Like, why would you have one of those if you don't have that, like, condition where you need it? Just, again, doesn't make sense. So it seems like that's probably, probably the end of it, right? Now, Spiritcom's have sort of made a comeback just recently. I know I've seen some different ghost shows that were using a Spiritcom and like, I was like, no way. Cause I read about this years ago and it was something I always kind of wanted to do a podcast about because it has the audio and there are visuals. If you go on YouTube and whatnot, and you can see it for yourself, the press conference and the clips of George, um, the geez, the clips of uh, bill. It's a really interesting topic. I, I, I wish it was real because I do that with a lot of the paranormal and Bigfoot stuff. I wish it was real. Ultimately, I think that it was fake. I think this one has a lot of reasons to believe that it's fake and that it's just a con job. 
But even with that said, it's it's a really interesting kind of unique one. Uh, I think the the way he was doing the recording with the Spiritcom in many ways reminds me of the modern day Spirit Box as well. Um, like I said, they in some ghost shows I've seen Spiritcoms trying to come back, and it's just a load of baloney. But the similar type device is the Spirit Box. If you're not familiar, if you go out on a ghost hunt or there's a paranormal show on TV or whatever. They put this on, and it's where they're like, is there anybody here? You know, does anybody want to talk to us? What's your name? If you're here, could you do something? Could you call out to us? And it's a little device that rotates through frequencies, and it shoots through all sorts of different frequencies, some of them radio frequencies, different, um, I don't even know any of the technical terms, but basically it sounds like this. And every once in a while you hear words come through. Sometimes these can be, again, radio stations could be like a DJ talking or whatever. Uh, You rarely hear music, which is kind of interesting because you think you would hear brief clips of music once in a while come through. And I've been on ghost hunts because I'm in a paranormal group, Uh, my wife and I, and we've had some of the people um, on the podcast who are in that paranormal group tell us about their experiences. Uh, Definitely go back. It's a cool episode. Uh, Go back and listen to that one. And we have had spirit boxes on the various ghost hunts usually doesn't reveal much but it is interesting that you don't hear music so i don't know are ghosts trying to talk to us on different frequencies which would be similar to the spiritcon has the 13 frequencies that are more like droning um as opposed to the similar type theory perhaps i kind of think a spirit box is also kind of a bullshit for the most part i just don't feel like it's a useful tool when you're out trying to find ghost hunts, I feel like if you're really gonna like find evidence of ghosts, it really needs to be video, pictures, or audio. I feel like a lot of the other little devices that you bring out, whether it's you know your K2 meter, which checks the, like the electromagnetivity or whatever in the room, you know if a spirit walks by you, it could like start blinking. So they say I have all that stuff, but I feel like uh, like little lights will blink on devices and whatnot. There's like static electricity near you. I just feel like a lot of that stuff is just, they're almost like fun toys, you know, like they cost a lot too, which is a bit ridiculous, but they're almost like fun toys to go out and have a good time with people, which is a lot of what ghost hunting is for me anyway. I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. I'd like to be, but I'm not. And I feel like you need to find really hard proof and it's hard. I think the thermo cameras are interesting too, because if you were shooting something and you see like a heat signature or a very cold thing in a hot room that looks like the shape of a body or something that that's some compelling evidence um i can give some credit to something like that some credence so there are some tools that are useful most of them are baloney i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here just talking about ghost equipment because spirit com is sort of a piece of ghost equipment but this particular instance with george meek and bill o'neill i think it's a con And I think that history forgot about it because, like I said in the beginning, the reporters, if you listen to that full press conference, the reporters don't really sound all that convinced. And it's funny because George Meek is really, like, really putting his heart out there, telling him this huge breakthrough. This is one of the biggest breakthroughs in the history of mankind. Like, massive. And they are... They are not having it. Not only are they coughing constantly during that press conference, as we heard, but they just don't have it in the end. Their questions are so suspicious, and they're just like, yeah, we need to see much better proof before we're just going to blindly believe 
that you have somehow crossed over and are talking to the dead. It's not buying it. And neither am I, frankly. Uh, I may have forgotten stuff. Again, there's a lot of information about this this uh, this sort of piece of paranormal history that's kind of been lost, right? You don't hear about this. So I hope you found a little bit of uh, interest in this and this kind of uh, caught you by surprise. You know, maybe you hadn't heard about it. I hope you learned a little bit today. I think we had some fun. Unfortunately, Smash stopped by. But So if you guys have any questions or concerns about Spiritcom or anything else, you can send it to me at philinterrupted at gmail.com. Other than that, guys, keep ghost hunting. If you find anything, let me know. We're making moves here on Phil Interrupted, and we will catch you next time. Peace out. And Dr. Muller responds with, well, perhaps you're right. You fucking idiot. He says, he didn't say that part. Bill looks so annoyed. He's got his hand over his forehead. He's like, oh my God, Muller, shut the fuck up. Trying to talk to my boss. Oh my. He sounds like a robot. Yes. Yes, he does.